When I caught up with artistic director Adam Nichols, I began by asking him to explain the link between OVO and the Malting Theatre. For our first roughly 10 years, we were a peripatetic theatre company, but we've been based at and, and running the Maltings since 2011. When the Maltings became available, because it had been dark for a couple of years at that point, the council felt at that stage that we were suitably qualified to take it over and give it a new lease of life. I think we felt that we could bring a very distinctive, innovative style of theatre to the venue. The venue itself had always been a receiving venue and had been back in its heyday in the 1990s, a very well regarded small scale touring venue. I still talk to a lot of actors of a certain generation who will say to me, oh, you know, that was where I did my first professional job after I came out of drama school. And, you know, it attracted many of the great and the good companies of that era. But it had always been receiving and there were short periods where it produced work in house. But by and large, it was receiving other companies that were bringing work into the theatre. So we wanted to be a producing house rather than a receiving house I suppose that was a distinctive element but I guess the other thing that we we committed to the council was that we could run it on a self-funding basis and we felt that by producing distinctive work in-house and attracting a regular audience to come along and see that work that was really the key to making it self-financing and that is what we've managed to do over the years we've managed to build that regular audience and, and run it in a way that doesn't cost the local taxpayer a penny and that, I think, is an important model that other places around the country have, have since tried to emulate. How big is it for those who haven't actually been there? How many seats are there? It's 110 seats. It's a, a very flexible space. One of the interesting things about that end of the Maltings for people that haven't been in is that it wasn't purpose-built as a theatre or indeed as a library. We have the library next door. It was community space that was allocated as part of the development. It wasn't purpose-built and therefore we've had to try and make the, the best of the space that's there. It's a black box space and one of the things that we did about four years ago is we took out the permanent seating in there and put in a much more flexible configuration which means that we can produce shows in the round, we can have a cabaret style arrangement so it gives us that that flexibility which in the current context with social distancing has been invaluable because it did mean last autumn that we were able to reopen the theatre with social distancing with a different sort of configuration which some other theatres that have a a more fixed seating type arrangement have found a lot more difficult so it's it's definitely been a benefit in the, the rather strange times that we're living through. What sort of productions does that take you into? I mean are they all going to be avant-garde plays or do you take a, a mainstream play and make something interesting out of it? Our main focus is on taking classic plays and giving them a, a twist so I guess Probably the, the work that we're, we're best known for locally is, is our, our Shakespeare. Uh, we've done a lot of Shakespeare in the Maltings. We also have done a lot of Shakespeare productions outdoors locally. And they will take a often a, a more contemporary feel. So we've done As You Like It set in the Summer of Love. We've done Much Ado About Nothing set in a, a 1950s American diner. Last year we had Merry Wives. In the 1980s rock festival, we had Henry V set in a, a COVID-era contemporary school classroom. So what we're trying to do is really make these classic tests accessible, not dumb them down. We love Shakespeare. We love Shakespeare's work. We love Shakespeare's words but hopefully present them in a way that's really accessible for a modern audience. And we'll do that with other texts. So we've, we've done Ibsen, we've done Arthur Miller. I guess our definition of classic is quite broad. So that's the, the main our main output, I guess. We also look at published plays or texts from the last five years. So we recently did, for example, uh, The Children by Lucy Kirkwood, uh, that was a, a play that we produced not long before lockdown. And in the last year since lockdown, we've, we've done a couple of new plays as well. 
that have been written for us. But primarily, our work is is about classic texts and, and reimagining those texts for our times. That's our main focus. And when you talk about we, how many of you are there? Well, the company is is an ever-changing cast of characters, I guess. We actually did a, a bit of uh, calculation the other day. We've used about 150 actors over the last four years. About half of, of those are drawn from the local area. Half come from further afield. It's quite a mixture. And the same would be true of our creative team. One of the things I think we're most proud of over the last year is that we've been able to employ well over 100 creatives which, you know, given the state that the theatre industry has been in, I think we've probably been the largest employer of actors and creatives, well, certainly in the area, if not perhaps even in the country, over these, this, this, this last difficult period. And we certainly see that providing employment opportunities for the creative community in St Albans and the surrounding area is one of the key objectives that we have. And one of the things, as I say, particularly at the moment, that we're, we're most proud of. You've taken us to the question of COVID and its impact. What happened to you when, in March, suddenly everything was forced to close down? It was a very peculiar uh, time because, of course, what happened very initially was that the Prime Minister, in that first announcement before the lockdown, suggested that pubs and restaurants and theatres and cinemas might be best to close. He didn't actually say that we had to close. We had two shows on at the time and... We had a lot of soul-searching over a sort of 24, 48-hour period. The West End closed immediately. I mean, within a couple of hours of that announcement that all the theatres in London were shut. We actually stayed open for another 24 hours and then closed. And at the time, I, I mean, I think, gosh, the world's changed so much, hasn't it, now looking back? But we thought it might be a, a couple of weeks or, or maybe a month before we'd be open again. And we, we literally walked out of the building left everything where it was, sets in situ and costumes in situ and all the rest of it. And it was really kind of three months before we even went back into the building. And it was like the Marie Celeste. Everything was kind of as it was with a layer of dust over the top of it. And I think very quickly we were into thinking, OK, well, what can we do? Because I think the culture of our company is very much that way inclined. It was Shakespeare's birthday, so we did some filming remotely of some sonnets and some speeches to, to mark that. And we then put together a Zoom production, an interactive Zoom production, which was filmed from actors' houses and was performed live. It was interactive, so it involved the audience in the show, um, very much pushing the boundaries of that technology in the early stages. And that was something that really seemed to, to hit a chord with, with people. And we had extraordinary response. We had huge audiences, amazing critical feedback, lots of media coverage, people around the world dialing in and, and participating in that show, which was fantastic. And then once the theatres reopened, you know, we played quite an instrumental role in, in getting open air theatres back open. After the first lockdown finished, we very quickly got the, the Roman Theatre Festival, which we'd been running for the previous five years anyway, back up and running, thanks to Lord and Lady Verulam, who'd been very supportive to us over the years. We were quickly able to get an open air festival back on, taking advantage of the fact that open air theatres were allowed to reopen. So in a strange sort of way for us, it's actually been a very productive year. It's been a very challenging year, but it's been a very productive year. And we've managed to continue producing really more or less the whole year. We've just kept going. And uh, thanks to the support we've had from the local community and our audiences, it's been, as I say, quite a productive year all in all. I'll come back to the open air theatre in a moment, if I may. Just want to pick up one thing. Once you start 
using Zoom or streaming productions, you have the potential for a worldwide audience. You, you referred to getting feedback from around the world. Is that something you had done before? Or is this something that's come out of COVID? No, very much a new thing. And I think definitely from my perspective, I don't see this technology replacing live performance. I probably have a different view to a lot of people in, in our industry about this, this technology. I'm more probably a bit more sceptical. As a creative myself, it doesn't excite me in the way that live theatre making excites me. But definitely where I think it has the potential is, as you say, in, in opening up that audience. I mean, we had people, we did, we did um, audience discussions after the, all the performances we did of the Zoom show. And it was just amazing talking to people from different places in the world, from people who wouldn't otherwise have been able to come to the theatre because of geographical distance, but also because they had caring responsibilities or they had a disability that meant that they couldn't get out of the house. And thinking, gosh, there's this whole untapped group of people who love the theatre, who want to go to the theatre, but for whatever reason can't get to the theatre or can't come to see us. And those people have come back. You know, we've, we've been doing a streaming season over the last couple of months and, and it's been interesting to see those people have returned. So that's really exciting, you know, to think that actually most of our, 70% of our audience comes from, from Hertfordshire normally. But to think that we can reach that much wider audience, it's definitely something that we will continue to do when we hopefully get back to normal as part of, of our offering in order to continue to access that audience because that reach is, is obviously very, very exciting. There are, as you say, people that can't get to the theatre for one reason or another and for whom this could be really quite a godsend. But to do it, you've got to stick your cameras in a theatre space, potentially on seats where people might be sitting. Is that an economic consideration? It definitely is. And I think you've also got to think about just sticking a camera at the back of an auditorium, to me, is boring. And what we've learned, I think, particularly in this last season that we're just coming to the end of now, is how you actually bring together the best of a theatre experience and the best of a TV or film experience, how you blend those two to create something that is neither theatre nor film or TV, which has been quite exciting, actually, sort of pushing the boundaries of the different forms. You're right to bring up the, the commercial dimension because it's not cheap to have three or four cameras and a crew. And as you say, you know, the way that we've done these last three shows, you would not have been able to have an audience in the auditorium because... You'd have people wandering around in front of you while you were trying to watch. But of course, the National Theatre have done this very successfully. And, and normally when they record NT Live, they do have an audience because, of course, you want the atmosphere of the audience. And one of the things we've missed, I think, from the shows that we've done and all the stream shows that I've watched over the last few months is when you don't have the audience in there, you do miss quite a lot, I think, in terms of the atmosphere. But in a small space like ours, it's very difficult to bring the two together. So I think there will be those sorts of considerations. But for us, we're kind of thinking, well, we might be able to stream one performance of a, of a run of a show and potentially have an audience in there on that night that know that there are going to be some compromises in terms of what they're watching in order to have the wider audience watching remotely and uh, making sure that the audience are aware of that before they come. So I think there are going to be those opportunities. And I think lots of theatres now, including us, have invested in the technology to make that possible. And I think that will be interesting to see how that develops once theatres are able to go back to some sort of normality. Of course, experimenting with these media ought to be part of what you're trying to do. I mean, you experiment by definition. 
totally. And I think that the point you made before about access is, is critical. I think it has definitely opened up theatre to a wider audience and has made theatre makers, and particularly theatre venues actually, who often get very stuck in thinking that they are a building and not really thinking about the audience. It, it's forced us as well to think about how do we engage people? How do we reach out? It isn't just about bringing people into your building. It's about how you actually reach people where they are. And I think that kind of thinking needs to inform our work a lot more in the future. Because the next opening is in the open air, your open air theatre. I think that's the next thing you're going to produce, isn't it? That's right, yeah. It's a festival involving a number of different companies, and yet you run it, is that right? You set it up? That's right, yeah. So we started this in 2014, and it started as a just a single production that we produced for three nights at the Roman Theatre of Verulamium, which is a wonderful location, which many of your listeners, I'm sure, will have visited, if, if only on a school trip. I tend to find that most people who live or who've grown up in the area have been there on a school trip at some time or another. So yes, we went there initially just for a single one-off show and it's grown and grown over the years and now this year will be seven weeks and about 70 performances, 14 different shows, including three shows that we'll be producing ourselves and then another half dozen companies that are bringing shows in. So yeah, it's become a pretty major event, which we produce and we bring the other companies in and support the other companies to produce their shows as as well as producing our own. And what is your own show for that uh, festival? Two Shakespeare's, which are The Comedy of Errors and The Winter's Tale. And then we also have Peter Pan, which started life as a Christmas production at the Auburn Arena last year and was sadly curtailed due to the introduction of the tier restrictions back in December. We managed to complete eight performances, but the remaining three 30 were sadly postponed so we've now converted that into an outdoor show so everyone that had a ticket for the arena is able to come and see that and hopefully a lot of other people will want to come and see that show as well so something for everyone really in terms of the shows that we're doing but we also have opera other theatre and live music from a range of different companies and all sorts of exciting productions that are that are coming in. And when does that festival start and how long does it run for? So we're starting on the 28th of May And we're running through to the 11th of July. So it runs for about seven weeks and it's more or less seven days a week all the way through that period. What we're obviously hoping is that on the 21st of June, the government will relax the social distancing requirements. So we have a a socially distanced um, auditorium for the first month or so. And then uh, with any luck, we'll be able to increase our capacity for the last two or three weeks of the festival if the the rules are are relaxed and uh, that will obviously mean we're allowed to and able to get a few more people in for those last couple of weeks. And when the festival is finished, you're back into the Maltings? We are. We're actually taking one of the shows, The Winter's Tale, down to the Minac Open Air Theatre in Cornwall for a couple of weeks. That'll be our third visit down to the Minac. So that's, uh, that's an exciting opportunity that we have to go down there. But then, yes, we have a, a full autumn season plan for the Maltings. Obviously, at the moment, nobody really knows quite what the autumn's going to look like. But uh, with any luck, we'll all have been vaccinated and we can get back to a, a degree of normality. So I think like most other theatres, we have a backlog of shows going back now. Well, by then, almost 18 months, shows that should have happened, some of which were you know, more or less ready to go, some of which had been planned, but not really rehearsed or produced to any stage so yeah we have a sort of 10 week season that's that's all scheduled in which will be a mixture of our own work and uh, one or two of our associate companies that also had shows that were due to take place and then hopefully something at Christmas as well that we'll be doing so it'll be a a busy autumn as well. It's amazing to think about Christmas isn't it? (laughs) 
It is. No, I mean, I, I think it, it kind of creeps up on you. And uh, I think because um, Christmas was such a strange, unreal, abnormal affair last year, I think people will be, again, looking for something a bit more akin to what they normally expect. So I think there will be a real demand at Christmas for seasonal entertainment that people missed out on on last year. So we're certainly thinking about what we can produce that will sit alongside uh, the other big events that normally happen in St Albans and hopefully complement those. If somebody wants to get a ticket for the the Roman Theatre Festival, where do they go for that? Do they go to you, come to Over, go to Maltings? Our box office is all online, so it's www.maltingstheatre.co.uk and yeah, everything's there, all the information about all the shows, our own shows and all the visiting companies we have coming into the festival. You can find all of that information on the website. And I've looked at it myself, it's quite a variety of stuff that's coming in everything from Gilbert and Sullivan to well to Shakespeare I suppose that's right and some live music as well so we uh, we have St Albans folk who normally produce some of your listeners will know they normally produce the St Michael's folk festival which normally takes over the streets in St Michael's on the first Wednesday in July because of the social distancing that isn't going to happen this year, but we're running an alternative event at the Roman Theatre, which is pretty close, a stone's throw from St Michael's. So that should be a good evening as well. So, yeah, live music is, is part of the, the festival too. So, yeah, hopefully we can get loads of people down to that event and to all the different performances that we have happening. And we'll be really looking forward to seeing people there and hopefully you know, bringing back some live performance because we know that people have really missed it. And tickets for the Open Air Theatre are now available, I believe. Yes. So we had um, an amazing first day, actually, of sales. So it's it's been record breaking. So tickets selling fast. But um, yeah, tickets available now. Uh, two things to me one you've got a loyal audience but also you've got a hungry audience i think that's right and i think anything that requires that face-to-face live interaction whether it's live theater live music it's what we've all missed over the last year isn't it so i think people are just desperate for those live experiences and hopefully we can we can help people to get back into that over the next two or three months adam thank you very much for your time thank you Thanks to Adam and his colleagues at the Ober Theatre Company and the Maltings Theatre for the opportunities they bring local residents to experience live creative performances. Don't forget the Open Air Theatre Festival from May till July. The full programme is online at maltingstheatre.co.uk, which is also where you can book for all of the shows in the festival by many different companies and groups. 